Welcome to the Cruel Summer Book Club podcast, a podcast about change. I am your host, Jillian Anthony, author of the Cruel Summer Book Club newsletter, which is where I write about change in my own life. Um, This week has been a pretty tough one because my gorgeous summer sublet is um, up here in Austin. I have to move out soon. And so I've been apartment hunting. Um, And I was really looking forward to apartment hunting here because I've apartment hunted in New York for the last nine years. And it's true hell. Anybody that's been through it knows how tough it is. Very expensive. People want you to live in closets and they want you to pay a lot for it. Um, And so. I was like excited to apartment hunt here and kind of see a a nicer, gentler experience. Um, But unfortunately for me, I'm literally apartment hunting at the um, craziest and most expensive time in Austin possible. Uh, Everybody's moving here. Something like 200 people a day are moving here. And I just read an article that Austin is now the seventh least affordable city in the United States. And Austin is on track to be as expensive as New York City by the end of 2021. So that's cool for me. I'm um, I'm apartment hunting at a very rough time. Um, but, you know, I tried to remind myself that every single time I've apartment hunted, it's always worked out. I've often loved the places I've found. Um, and I think it's going to be that way this time, too. I found a really nice little place through a friend that was unlisted. And um, I'm very close to signing the lease for it. So fingers crossed for me, everyone. Um, and, you know, just keep me in your thoughts and prayers because it is rough out here right now. Um, this week, I have been trying to kind of have a little fun with my reading and not, you know, not take on a, a big adventure with books. Um, so I've kind of gone back to the childhood books I used to love. Um, I was looking for something like short and silly to read, and I was looking through the library and stumbled back across these books I used to read when I was a kid about um, a British teenager called Georgia Nicholson. And it was a series of books about her. It was her. It's her diary entries. It's basically like if Bridget Jones was 14 and discovering sex for the first time. Um, the first book in the series is called Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging. And I read it. I laughed so hard. Uh, she, you know, she goes to like a kissing class to learn to kiss for the first time. She's obsessed with boys and has all these fights with her friends. And it is so much fun and hilarious. And there's also like a glossary of British words in the back for the American kids that don't know what snogging and all these different things are. Um, a couple other titles of these series books are Knocked Out by My Nunga Nungas. And on the other hand, I'm now the girlfriend of a sex god to like give you a sense of what the mood of these books is. Um, so that was really fun. And I'm really glad I read that. I read the first one and the last one because those were the only ones available at the library. Um, but actually at home, uh, in my parents' house in Las Vegas, I think I have the entire series. So I'm really looking forward to visiting there soon and reading more of them. Um, and another one of my favorite childhood books is Ella Enchanted, um, which I have regularly read like once a year since I was a kid. It's still one of my favorite books of all time. And I feel like Ella Enchanted was where I first encountered feminism. Like in my memories, um, that's what I remember. She, you know, she has a curse cast by on her by her uh, by a, like a fairy, and she has to break it, but she has to break it herself. And she's very funny. Um, she is, I think, I want to say she is fourteen and getting married to a prince in the book. So you know, there's there's some problems there. But I really enjoy reading it every year. So that's been a fun like uh, trot back through time for me. 
And this week, I've been really obsessed with a lot of animals that are not mine. Um, you know, Minerva's still around. She's still hanging out with me. But I've gotten to do some fun dog sitting and cat sitting this week. Uh, my neighbor was out of town for like five weeks. He and his family um, hightailed out of here and went to Vermont for nicer weather. And so I've been cat sitting their cat, Smushy, um, who's an outside cat. And, you know, just bringing her food every morning, getting greeted with her meows. And then as soon as I feed her, getting immediately bitten. And that's been great. Um, I also got to dog sit a mini dachshund. And he is the cutest and likes to burrow under the covers. And so he's completely covered up and under there. And it's very sweet. And that was a lot of fun. Um, And there's also just like so many stray cats and animals around here. And it's so many kittens um, running around the neighborhood. I saw a little baby bird that was kind of suffering in the heat the other day. And I like picked it up and moved it to a cooler spot. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's like a, it's, even though it's high summer, there's, it's still like very much kitten and puppy season around here and it's a lot of fun. Um, and I'm just really savoring the last couple of weeks of high summer here in Austin. So that's what has been going on with me. It's been pretty good. Um, again, please send me the good energy on the apartment. And uh, now I'd love to introduce you to my guest today. Um, She is a love coach who helps people get unstuck in their dating lives. She also hosts the podcast Dear Franny, where she has uncommon conversations about love. And she has more than 400,000 followers on Clubhouse, um, where she hosts uplifting conversations about manifesting your dreams. But you might know her, first of all, from her days of competing on Survivor, where she was the first one voted off the island not once, but twice. And she lovingly calls herself the biggest loser in Survivor history. And I'm really excited to hear about how those losses helped shape who she is today. So please welcome to the podcast, my wonderful guest, Francesca Hoagie. Hi, Jillian. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Hi, thank you so much for being here. I am so, so excited to talk to you. No, I'm really looking forward to this. I think that one thing I always start out with is just asking, what's your mood today and how are you feeling? Yeah, that's a good question. My mood today is very optimistic. Um, I'm feeling good. I feel like um, I feel like there's something good about to happen in my life. I have this intuition about that, and I don't know what it is. So I feel excited. Yeah, that's my mood. <laughs> that's great. Um, what an exciting feeling to be like on the edge of something good, right? Yes, it's the best. It is the best. Yeah, I try to. I mean, granted, I'm very easily excited, so. <laughs> It may not be that major to the average person, but <laughs> um, I definitely get, yeah. I'm definitely excited right now. Well, that's, that's great. I love the energy. Um, and you're in LA right now. So how's your summer been? What's been going on over in LA? You know, my summer has been, it's gone by so quickly. I mean, I haven't had like, you know, the best summer ever like you, I wish that I had, but, <laughs> but I honestly, it's just been, um, the last year and a half of, of life has been very, um, there's just been a lot of sameness. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't really say that. I mean, everything is good. I have nothing to complain about. I mean, I'm, I'm very, you know, fortunate, um, you know, at this time, but, but um, it hasn't been very exciting, to be honest. I mean, the most exciting thing that's happened this summer is that I took a woodworking course. Um, my boyfriend and I took a woodworking course at a community college and, um, it was six weeks and I, that's kind of like a, like a standing dream I had <laughs> to learn woodworking. So I'm really proud of that. That was like, um, that was the big summer excitement. 
That is really exciting. Uh, you know, you got to learn a new creative skill. What What did you make in the class? I made a cutting board and a picture frame, which actually is great because a friend of mine had recently given me a piece of artwork and I was going to have to get it, you know, like a custom framing job. And I just made my own custom frame. So that was cool. Um, and a box, an heirloom box. Yeah, I'm curious, uh, are you keeping anything special inside of your heirloom box? So that's a really good question. Um, so unfortunately, I think I'm just going to be keeping like toiletries, <laughs> which is like, very but important. I was like this, this, but I'm like, this box is actually like the perfect size. It's going to fit so well on the counter in my bathroom. And I just feel like, <laughs> and, and I want it to be somewhere where I see it every day because I'm so proud of it, you know? So I really like I will every day I will go in the bathroom and I will see it. I'll be like, yes, that's my box. So <laughs> that's it's probably going to end up in there. <laughs> <laughs> that's a perfect use for it. Uh, you get to admire your handiwork every single day um, and be proud of yourself every day. So that's great. <laughs> exactly. We all need to be proud of ourselves every day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, it's, it's funny because I have been, you know, getting to know you in a very roundabout way by watching very old episodes of Survivor with my sister during the pandemic. I feel like um, a lot of people, you know, all the Survivor episodes were released on Hulu or like a lot of the seasons were. Um, so I know that there's a whole new round of people that are just discovering the show and binging on old seasons, just like me and my sister did. And um, it was really fun to watch you and think about like, I, I, I love, I was flabbergasted each time that you were voted <laughs> off first for no goddamn reason that I can tell. Uh, and me and my sister just kept debating like, what, why, why are they picking on her? You know, because um, I thought you were wonderful and, and smart and fun to be around. So, um, you know, obviously, that was some time ago. And uh, you've grown and changed a lot since then. But I know that that had, you know, a ton to do with the direction your life eventually took and, you know, dealing uh, with that big loss and, you know, reclaiming yourself and moving forward. So I would just love to hear yeah. from your perspective, um, you know, how was how was dealing with that shame that I assume that you felt right after that? And how did you move through that? Yeah. So first of all, thank you for your outrage because I really appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. So, um, you know, it's so wild. Like I, I can't believe that I was on Survivor. Like it's, I don't remember it very well. I, I mean, I remember some things well, but anyway, this just, just like feels like a million years ago, but it was a hugely um, seminal experience in my life for sure. Um, so I think the first time I went on Survivor, it was really something that I did because I, f I felt at kind of a standstill in my life professionally. Um, I was in a relationship with someone who I was in love with and I hoped that we would be together forever. Um, but I was, but I was practicing law, which I did for many years and I didn't want to do, but I didn't know what else to do. So I was, I was stuck. I had been living in LA. I moved back home to New York. And so I, I, there was, I was just in this transitional period. And so when Survivor came along, it was like, well, I don't really want to do this, but you know what? Like it's going to shake things up. And I really feel like that's, that's just something I feel I really need to do. I just felt like this is something I need to do. And um, my boyfriend at the time did not want me to go. 
Um, but I went anyway and he broke up with me. So I, so when I got voted off first, which was something that I also did not expect to happen. (laughs) It honestly, like, I don't think it occurred to me that that could happen to me because I was like, well, I, I have, I have people skills. I'm strong. I'm hardworking. Like I'm going to be an asset to my tribe. So I don't have to worry about that. Um, but you know, obviously I did. Um, so (laughs) I, so it was, so when I, so when I was voted out first, you know, when you get voted out a survivor, it's not like you get to go home. Like you still have to stay there. You're sequestered. So whether you, um, you know, are the first person voted out or you win, you're all gone for the same amount of time. We leave the same day and we come home the same day. And so you're gone for like six weeks and, and it's actually a little bit more than that. Um, and you are cut off from the world, like no phone, no TV, no internet. So it's an extremely isolating experience. And, um, I was not in a good place because I was like, I'm like, I left my life. My relationship ended now. Like this is all for nothing. And I, and now I'm just stuck here and I just have to like stew in it with other people who were bitter about what happened to them on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it definitely kicked off a very difficult period of my life. Um, and over the next couple of years, I mean, I, I think that I was, you know, there were some very short term lessons that came from it that were really positive. Um, one being, you know, I mean, you, you experience this because you are a public figure, right? So you know what it's like for strangers on the internet to have opinions about you. Um, and I did not, you know, that was not an experience that I had before a survivor. And, um, and at first it was like this emotional roller coaster of like, like, oh my God, people love me. Yay. And then like haters are being like, oh my God, people hate me. Uh, you know? And then eventually, um, I, I read something that somebody had written about me and it was like, so over the top, just like, you know, they hope I got cancer and died and it was so dramatic. And Gosh. I was just like. I was like, oh, I'm like this doesn't have anything to do with me. This mm. has nothing to do with me. This has nothing to do with my brief stint on a reality TV show. Like I never did anything to you or anybody that you care about. Like <laughs> this has nothing to do with me. And it was such a gift because I was like, oh, people thinking that I'm th- that they love me doesn't actually have anything to do with me. I mean, it's still a projection, right? Like it's very nice, but you don't really know me, so like that doesn't really mean anything. And people saying they hate me doesn't really mean anything. And the only thing that really matters is how I feel about myself. Like, and so I think that was a lesson that I, I can't imagine. Well, I don't know. I mean, there, I guess there are many other ways to learn that lesson, but for me, it was really, that was a very clear lesson that came out of that experience pretty quickly. So that was good. Um, (laughs) but otherwise, yeah, it, it was frustrating because, um, I, you know, I left, I, I, I came back to the exact same job. And so it was like nothing in my life had changed in a positive way is how I felt for a while. Yeah. It took me a while to get out of that. Um, I think I just needed time to heal from not just survivor, but also my breakup, which was actually the harder thing. Um, survivor exacerbated that, but that was the thing that was the most challenging for me at that time. Yeah, that I, that's what I was going to say. I had no idea that you were going through a breakup during that time. Um, that 
sounds awful. You're you're supposed to be really present and having this entirely new experience that takes all of your mental and physical energy. And then you get kicked off first at the same time. And yeah, I can only imagine how much regret you might have felt at that time. Oh my God, so much regret. I felt mm-hmm. so much regret. I was like, this was all for nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was, yeah, it was, it was rough. Yeah. A lot of journaling. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that is the There's key. There's a lot of journaling <laughs> going on. <laughs> well, how oh, much goodness. time passed between uh, that time and then going back on Survivor for the second time? Um, it was two years. It was two mm-hmm. years. And, um, and again, it, it was... Like, it wasn't like I wanted to go back on Survivor, <laughs> but I was still like, I literally still had the same job. I was still like, I'm like, this is like, okay, well, hey, the worst thing has already happened. Like, can't be any worse than it was the first time is what I told myself. And so, um, and also I was flattered because they never invited, they had never invited anyone who had been one of the first like 10 people voted out. Mm-hmm. before and then they voted and then they invited me back and I was the first person. So it was like very unprecedented, very unexpected. So I was like, oh well this is like a like a pretty big honor. Like sure I'll do this. And um it, you know and I knew some of the people that I was playing with and so you know a couple of them were actually like my real had become my real life friends. And so I was like, oh well this is gonna be like way better. Maybe it'll even be fun. Um, and you know, as it turns out, like, you know, my real life friends had already decided before we even got out there that they were going to vote me out. Um, and I know it's like the whole, my whole survivor experience is such a, like, I, the, really the way that I make sense of it is, um, and what's interesting is that both of my seasons, I was on a tribe with the eventual winner of the show. And in both of my seasons, um, you know, they were both very, very different, but like very charismatic and very manipulative white men. And they both were able to very easily get everyone to do what they wanted. And it was, and to me, it was bizarre. I was like, what am I like, (laughs) what's going on here? (laughs) Um, And they both identified me as um, you know, as a threat to them, which I was because I wasn't going to just go along with the program. So, you know, they were right in that regard and they both went, you know, they both went on to win the show. So, (laughs) but what's interesting is that, um, on both of my seasons, there are people who, um, who, you know, now they, you know, they love me and they have so much regret and they, you know, it's, it's just, it's interesting. A lot of, a lot of people in the survivor community, they like, you know, they want me to be their friend. They want me to be their confidant. They want me to be there, you know, and it's just very, it's an interesting thing. I'm like, somehow I've, I occupy this weird space in that world. Um, yeah, it's very bizarre. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't want to go on and be your friend after how you've changed your whole life and, you know, done all these incredible things, whereas a lot of those people, you know, they haven't. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. I well, I you know what? I think for me and that was that was what was so awesome after the second time cuz I was like, "Oh, this is not this is not my life story. Like this is not <laughs> this is not the obituary, you know? Like and um I I do know a lot of people who have been on Survivor who, for whom that was the highlight of their life. It was their glory days. They, 
they talk about it all the time. Their dream is to go back and to play again. They they want to just relive it over and over again. And and I'm not judging that, but that if imagine if that was me, like how sad would that life be? You know what I mean? <laughs> And I was just yeah. like, I, so I felt extra motivated to be like, okay, enough of this limbo, enough of this, like, I don't know what to do. And I just need like enough, like now, like this is your life and you, you've gone through this situation twice, this very unusual situation twice. You had the exact same outcome. Like the universe is smacking you in the face <laughs> and like, what are you going to do about it? So, um, so it was a good thing, you know. So I have a lot of gratitude, you know, for the experience because, um, you know, it just shocked me out of my. I'm, I'm, a, I'm like, I like, I am very slow with change, like, and so mm-hmm. clearly, <laughs> I'm slow with change. So <laughs> I needed that message to be really loud in order for me to be like, oh, okay, I get it. It's up to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you you get home, you've been dealt this secondary loss. Um, what were your actual next steps to changing your life around? Because I think that this is often what people are most interested in who are really interested in changing their whole lives. I mean, you changed careers, you went in a whole different direction. Um, I, I believe you broke up with your boyfriend you were dating at the time. So what what how did you make those steps and decisions? So, um, I, I didn't break up at that time. The second time I actually started dating someone, um, immediately, like after I got back from Mm -hmm. my second season. Um, but, uh, well, so the first thing was really, well, this was, I, I, cause again, I was sequestered lots of time to journal (laughs) and to reflect. And so actually the survivor psychologist had asked me, um, to like, she's like, well, where do you, what do you want your life to look like in five years? And I hadn't done an exercise like that, or at least not any time recently. And I was like, and it was just so hard because I was so stuck on like, but I need to know what my job is. And I need to know like, you know, who my partner is. And like, and, and she was like, no, 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 <laughs> forget about that. Like, what are the bigger things that you want? And I was like, okay, well, I want to work for myself, right? I want to have flexibility in, in my in my job and my lifestyle I want to do something that makes people's lives better um, I want to feel like challenged and excited about what I do um, you know I want to be with somebody who's you know really amazing so I, I just I was starting to like put together this vision of like just the broad strokes right And, um, and so that actually was really helpful because then the first thing I was like, okay, well, I need a new job, right? What am I going to do? What is this thing that I'm going to be other than a lawyer? Um, and I, I just started saying like, okay, well, there's when I, because I knew that I wanted to work for myself, like now I know I don't have to be in the mode of like, what job do I need to get hired for? <laughs> right. <laughs> because that was what I was thinking before then. Cause I was like, well, what job do I even want? And like, you know, once you're a lawyer, like it's people pigeonhole you as a lawyer. And it wasn't like, I, I was like, well, and I didn't have some burning desire of like, I want to go into marketing or like, you know, I was like, I don't know what to do. So, um, so that, so then I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to work for myself, I need to do something that like, I really, really care about like, okay, so what could that be? Um, and I kind of just surrendered to the universe of like, I need, I I don't know, but 
it's, I know it's something. So I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm open. And I just literally was like, I'm just open. I'm just open for a sign. I'm open for in some inspiration. And, um, it was literally maybe two months after I made this decision, um, that I went to a 4th of July barbecue and, um, and I met this, and I met this woman there who I'd never seen again. I never saw before. I'd never seen her again. And we were just chatting. And she was like, yeah, she's like, there's this black male matchmaker named Paul Brunson that I follow on Twitter. And I was like, wait, what? It's like, there's a black male matchmaker? What are you talking about? Like, well, who is this person? I want to follow him on Twitter. Because at that time, like, the only matchmaker I'd ever heard of was Patty Stanger, you know, the millionaire matchmaker. And I was like, wait, what? Who, who, you know, who is this guy? So I literally took out my phone. I followed him on Twitter. And then after that, I was like, you know, just really paying attention to all his tweets. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is amazing. And like, he helps people find love. Like this is a job. Like this is, you know, this is incredible. Um, and he had an MBA and he'd worked in finance and he left that to start a matchmaking business. So I was like, well, if he did that, maybe I can do that. And I like meddling in people's love lives. And, <laughs> you know, I, I like, you know, talking about dating and, you know, I, I, I also, I'm the person who like has always been the one to set my friends up, you know, like most mm -hmm. people don't like to get involved and I'm like, who you want to meet? Let's make it happen. Right. That's <laughs> how I've been since like junior high school. So I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is a job. And then he, um, he tweeted that he was going to be speaking at the matchmaking Institute conference in New York. And I was like, oh, wow. there's a matchmaking Institute and they have a conference. Like, what is this world? I want to go. And so I went and I just, you know, I just spent like three days at this conference, like sitting in these sessions and meeting these matchmakers and just realizing like, these are just regular people. These are just regular people. And this is their job. If they can do it, I can do it. And so I decided to start a matchmaking business and I literally went on Facebook probably like while I was still at the matchmaking conference <laughs> and I was like, Hey guys, I'm going to be a matchmaker. So send me your single people. Um, and everyone was like, well, what are you talking about? No one thought it was a good idea. Um, <laughs> so there was, I mean, it wasn't like anyone's like, don't do that. But, and I have wonderful you know, wonderful friends, wonderful family, wonder but everyone's just kind of like, this just seems really random. Like, what do you mean? Like matchmaking? And, and I'm just like, I know it seems random, but I just, I got it. I got to try. Like, you know, I, I don't see why I can't do this. Mm -hmm. I really believe that I can do this. And so, um, yeah, that was literally that Facebook post was, I did it for accountability, mm -hmm. <laughs> basically. Um, and then once I put it out there, then I was like, all right, well, I guess I have to try to figure out how to do this and get a client and all of that. And um, yeah, and I just, I asked Paul, the matchmaker who inspired all this, I asked him to mentor me and he said yes. And um, I just went for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's wow. how it happened. So <laughs> you just really felt a spark and followed it hard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I manifested the clarity that I needed in order to move forward mm -hmm. um, because I was, I had been stuck in a place of no, of just being really confused for, for such a long time. And then another thing that happened around this time um, also is that my, my brother died very suddenly 
Um, and he was my older brother and he died. Um, he died a week before his 40th birthday. And it was just like, and, and it was just one of those, you know, another like smack down, um, from the universe in the sense that, well, I shouldn't say it was, I, the lesson, one of the, it, it just really drove home to me the fact that like, you know, this is, we have one life to live. It could end at any time. And it, it's like, there's just no time to waste, you know? And so between survivor and my brother passing, I was really motivated. I was highly motivated. I was like, things are changing and they're changing now. <laughs> and that's, that's just how it's got to be. Yeah. Um, I'm really sorry that you had such a major loss in your life, but I also know that those kind of losses can really shape who you are for the rest of your life and and how you want to live life, which it sounds like it definitely did for you um, and, you know, helped give you clarity around, okay, well, I don't want to be in this job doing this anymore. Um, and I mean, you and then you really went for it. Like, I, I wanted to ask you about manifestation, because I know that you're a big believer. And you mentioned that. Were you a believer in manifestation at that time? I was a believer in manifestation at that time, though, I, I do think it was kind of like, I was in a bit of a spiritual wilderness in those years. <laughs> so I was a believer in manifestation, but I hadn't, um, I hadn't truly learned how to manifest for myself, like with any mm -hmm. consistency. And I kind of forgot about manifestation for a while. Like I, I wasn't thinking of it in the terms of like, oh, I can manifest clarity. Like I was, I wasn't thinking of it that way for a long time. Um, so actually, you know, I always, I mean, not, not just me, tons of people say this, um, but that entrepreneurship is like, it, it is a spiritual journey. Like it's, it's personal development. If you don't feel like you want to say spiritual, but you have to really start to confront a lot of things about yourself. If you are going to build a business, especially if you're building a business that you are the face of, right. Which I am, which is like a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> and so it kind of forced me to like remember manifestation <laughs> and to like, and to be like, Oh wait, this is actually something that I can do. And I, it's just something I need to be really intentional about and actually develop like tools and a practice around and not just be like, Oh, I want to just, you know, kind of randomly think about manifesting things, but like, no, no, no I'm actually going to make this happen. May I ask what were some of those things that you felt you had to confront about yourself when you became an entrepreneur? Oh my gosh. I mean, there's so many things. Um, a lot of money issues. Um, a lot of like, um, a lot of my beliefs around money were really harmful, um, or, or not helpful. And when I was working for other people and I was getting, a, you know, I was getting a good paycheck every two weeks, I was able to like mask a lot of it because, you know, I had that, I had that, um, that regular income. And once I didn't have that regular income, and then I had to confront like, you know, the fact that it was really uncomfortable for me to ask people for money. And I was like, you know, like people, I'd be like, I, I would, you know, tell them, be like, well, this is how much it is. But I mean, you know, and I like did all of this, like, ah, cause I was so uncomfortable, like even just saying like, this is what, this is what, my services are worth. And just to own that, like, it took me a really long time. 
I overdid. I over, I gave, gave, gave. I gave so many free sessions. I, I just spent so much energy trying to like prove that I was, um, that I was good enough and prove that like, you know, um, I'm just here for you and it's not about me and forget about like, I don't need to be compensated. I just need to help you. Like just a lot of that, like overdoing that, you know, you can't run a business like that. (laughs) Not for long. Um, so that, you know, so all of that was very like the money and, and just being, you know, making myself just really standing in my worth. Um, all of that was like entangled. Um, and then also because I was first a matchmaker and then, you know, eventually transitioned to a love coach. So when I started my business, I was in a relationship. Um, but that relationship, you know, it didn't last for much longer after that. So I was single and a matchmaker, you know, and I was like, and working with clients and I always worked, well, 99% of my clients throughout my whole, you know, eight and a half years I've been doing this have been women, women who date men. Right. And, um, and because I'm a woman who dated men, I would like see these things and these habits and these beliefs that my clients had around like love and themselves and relationships. And I'd be like, Oh my God, I do that. (laughs) You know? And it was so easy. so easy to see in other people. Like, oh my gosh, she has no idea how incredible she is. And she doesn't see how like this fear of getting hurt, she's, it's making her do all of these things and put up all of these blocks. And she doesn't even see like this pattern and like, you know, all of this. And it made me really look at myself in a way that um, I just couldn't ignore. I was like, oh, (laughs) so um, it was definitely, um, I like I, I say this all the time. Like my clients have been my biggest teachers, just personally because they've just been such a mirror. And um, yeah, I'm super grateful for them. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I feel like all of that that you just talked about that you know you have to look so hard at yourself. And truly, when you're starting your own business, when you're single as a matchmaker, I'm sure people gave you crap about that sometimes or were like, well, why should I trust you? You know, you have to Mm -hmm. be your number one fan and support system. You know, I'm sure you built that for many years. I'm sure that was a very hard path to building that up. So I can only imagine like the journey from, you know, these big letdowns to like, I'm going to do this to, you know, constantly backing yourself up and making yourself better every day so you can continue to help these people and like, and and stand in, in what you believe in and, and, you know, help them manifest what you also want to manifest in the world. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's, it's such, it's such a gift. Like, I mean, I, I definitely consider myself to be a late bloomer. Um, in every way. <laughs> I just, I just am a late bloomer. I feel like I'm still, I, I'm like, I'm still blooming. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I, I really see the, like, just like the beauty and the perfection of my path and everything that I've been through. And it's all, it all just feels like, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is all so perfect. Actually, <laughs> the way everything is unfolded, it's actually just been really divine. Yeah. Well, I, I also know that you met your current boyfriend by like bumping into him on the street, right? I yes. want to hear about that. Yeah. So um, so through my journey of, you know, becoming better and better at coaching and understanding more really what it took to actually open yourself up to receive like 
really receive true love. Um, I, you know, I was doing that work and, um, you know, I broke a lot of patterns and, um, I got into a place where I had gotten really good at meeting, meeting available men who were like, they were like checking all the boxes of like what I was looking for. And they were looking for that. And it was like, and, and I was like, okay, first of all, I was like, this is amazing. Cause I used to think these men didn't exist. Like, I don't know where they were until now. <laughs> um, but then also I was, they, then none of them are quite connecting. And I was like, I just don't know what it is. And this is, is this just my, like my fear of vulnerability? And I'm just kind of, you know, I have a, I'm just, I'm kind of just have a block up. And, um, and I was like, okay, well, let, how am I going to know? How am I going to know when I meet this person? And, um, because all of the baseline things of him being like, you know, respectful and kind and confident and, you know, into me and, you know, had his own things going on that he was passionate about, like all of those kind of baseline things were, I wasn't worried about those things. Cause I was, I'd gotten really good at attracting all those things. So I was like, okay, now the icing on the cake, I really need to pay attention to how I'm going to feel when I meet this person. So I wrote what I called my love vision and it was just like five sentences, but it was all based on the emotion that I wanted to feel when I was with my partner. Like, you know, how do I want to feel when we are sitting on the sofa watching Netflix? Like, how do I want to feel? Cause I really wanted to focus on like the relationship you know? Um, and so I, so I wrote this and I kind of like tweaked it a little bit, um, you know, over a few days or maybe a week or so. And I got to a place where when I read it, it felt really like emotionally resonant. I was like, Oh my God, this feels so good. This feels really good. And so I started reading it, um, every night before I went to bed and then, and I did that for like a couple of months. And I remember one day I woke up and I was so excited and I was like, holy shit, I'm about to meet this guy. And I, and then I got like kind of nervous, like, Oh God, I'm about to meet this guy. And I'm like, no, no, it's okay. Like you're ready for this. This is what you wanted. Like, it's okay. Like you're ready. You're about to meet him. So it's, this is great. And so, and so I know it was very, it was, it was really one of those experiences. Like, I mean, I'd never had an experience like that before where I had such certainty And, um, and I was like, all right, well, I don't know where he is, but I know he's somewhere. Um, and I just like surrender. Cause I was like, I'm about to meet him. So I don't have to worry. And, uh, yeah. And then I met him walking down the street in LA. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. I, you know, clearly that's a, a tool for manifestation, which I definitely want to talk more about, but I've never heard of someone kind of waking up and being like, today is the day. I mean, that must've been an incredible feeling. Yeah, it wasn't. Well, so I didn't meet him that day, but I met him within probably like a week. Okay. <laughs> no, I met him within like a week. Yeah. It yeah. was not long, but it was, I know, I wish it was the exact day that would have been just you know, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But no, but even like the whole way that we met and, and we met in a, in a, you know, obviously in a very random way, but it's like, if I hadn't met him on that street corner, I would have met him somewhere else. And if I didn't meet him Mm somewhere, somewhere else, I would have met someone else somewhere else. Cause there's also more than one person for everyone, you know? So I, I just feel like it was literally, and actually, this was one of the. Fe- I felt I felt the inevitability of us meeting each other. 
I was like, this is so inevitable that I just literally have nothing to worry about. Like it's going to be, there's nothing I could do to stop this from happening. That's how I felt. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I, and I, I, and listen, it was, that was not an overnight thing, right? It was, there was a lot of steps along the way to, you know, to getting to that place, but yeah, but he's, he's pretty awesome. He's like, I remember on our second date, he was telling me some story and I was just watching him talk. And I was like, I could, I could listen to this guy talk for a long time. <laughs> I was like, I, this is like, I'm into here. And it was just some story that was no, it was just like, I don't know. I didn't even remember the story that he was telling me, but it wasn't like that he was telling me something that was so fascinating. It was just this energy that I had and this vibe. And I was like, this is how I want it to feel. Like, this is the feeling like, this is it. Like, Oh my God, this is happening. Um, so yeah, we were pretty much together from our first date. So you manifested your current love, uh, which sounds amazing. And I definitely want to talk more about manifestation in a second, because I feel like that's a really big part of what you do now. Um, especially in your rooms at clubhouse. Mm -hmm. Um, but first I just want to go back to a couple of really important things you said when you were just speaking about all this, you had mentioned there's more than one person for all of us. And you had also said that if you hadn't met your current boyfriend, you would have met someone else. Yes. And (laughs) that might sound unromantic, but that is how I feel. Yeah. And I, I love to hear that because I completely agree with that belief system. And I, I want to hear more about how you feel about that because we're just so thoroughly taught to that the one exists and we need to find that person from the minute we're born. So I'd love to hear more about your thoughts about that. Yeah, I know. It's, you know, I, I think that it, when it comes to romance and the way that we talk about romance and, um, you know, relationships just culturally, there, it's like the last, it's, well, I shouldn't say it's the last, it's one of the last bastions of like mindset that people need to challenge on like a massive scale. Right. Mm-hmm. So like the idea that, that love is a fantasy and there's one perfect person. And when you meet that perfect person, then your life is magically fulfilled and you live happily ever after. Like that is an extremely pervasive message that we get told over and over and over and over again. Um, even though we all know from our actual life experience, like that's not how love works. Um, and yet so many people still date just chasing that like instant chemistry because the instant chemistry means that like they're the one, you know? Um, so I think the, the, the first thing, um, to just ask like anybody who's kind of struggling with this and feeling like, okay, there's one person and I've got to meet that person. Just take a step back and just consider like, the source of that philosophy. <laughs> um, and that, and also just look at like, this. think about the world. Like, is there only one person who would be your best friend? Like, is there only like one person who you'd like to like hang out? Like, of course, like there's always multiples, you know? And um, we have this very pervasive scarcity mindset when it comes to love and it serves no one and it's not true. And it just doesn't even make sense. Like if you just, if there's only one person for everyone, which we all know that's not true. Um, we all, I mean, we intuitively know that's not true. I'm sure there's been more than one person who you've loved. There's been more than one person that I've loved. Um, and I would say that's the case for most people. Right. Um, 
but also it's like it's predicated on this idea that when we meet the person, then everything work, everything is magical, and we never have struggle, and it's happily ever after. So that's why we feel like, oh, I haven't met the person because you know, or there's only one person maybe because I've never, ever, ever met anyone who magically solves all of my problems and fulfills my life. It's like, well, yeah, because that's not how it works, right? Like, right. That's just, you know, like the standard is wrong, you know? Um, So it takes a mindset shift to just approach romantic relationships from a much more just reality-based place and a much more um, spirit-based place too. Because if you're a person who believes in the universe and you believe in, well, you know, believe in the universe, you know, the spiritual, um, you know, idea of a, of a universal intelligence and, um, you know, that manifestation is real, then do you also believe that the universe is one that has kind of set you up to really, really, really want love, but there's only one person and it's just like a needle in a haystack and good luck scouring the globe. And hopefully you'll get lucky and meet that one person. Like, do you really think that's how the universe works? So, um, so much pressure, you know, it's so much pressure and it's just like, <laughs> well, of course it like, so everybody who's with a, who's with a life partner or whatever, all those people just happened to like, oh, wow, you're really lucky that like you happen to run into the one person on the whole planet and they happen to live like a mile away from you or you went to school <laughs> with them or like, it's like, that. of course it doesn't make sense. It's just the one that you met that was the closest that, what you know, at that time, that's what you were looking for. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I completely agree. And, you know, I think something I just said in a previous episode, we were speaking of, monogamy. Um, and I was talking about how disillusioned I, this is, you know, a different topic, but they go together, how disillusioned I am with the fact that, you know, you are taught, um, you must find a relationship, you must find only one relationship. That is how you're going to be happy, especially for women and how that's all bound up in such, you know, patriarchy and heteronormativity. And so it's like, it's really great to hear you say that, because I, I think that especially, I just, I just don't hear that very much. And it is reality based. That is life. And I feel like we're like set up to fail a little bit in that way. Oh, totally. I a hundred percent agree. And, and it's also, it comes from a time and a mindset where it was all about women as property, you know? And so it's like, I, and I, and I see this all the time with these women who are, um, I mean, not for me to be super heteronormative, but you know, that's just, the majority of the people that I work with are women who date men. And so I see this all the time where it's like someone who like, she's so smart. She's so powerful. She's like so creative. She's like so amazing and so progressive when it comes to every other part of her life. And then when it comes to love, it's like, she still has this like, you know, pick me, I need to be chosen by a man in order to, um, you know, feel worthy Right. And, um, and it's still this idea that like, um, it's, it's all just supposed to be this magical fantasy, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, and it's one person and then you'll meet that person and then you'll be happy forever. And, um, like I said, you know, it's, it's just, it's, we need to really take a long, hard look about how, what are the assumptions and the beliefs that we have about relationships and, do those, are they true? Do we want them to be true? Do they serve us? Like, is this a disempowering belief or is this an empowering one? Um, 
Because if you want to manifest love, the first order of business is to believe that the love that you want is possible for you. Um, The only way that you won't get the love that you want is if you settle for less. Okay. So it seems that manifestation is a big part of like how you work, not only your personal philosophy, but also how you work with clients. So can you talk a little bit more more about like the the base lessons that you start out with um, with clients who you know are super disillusioned by love and you know how how would you go about manifesting that love that you're looking for? So I think you know a lot of times when people think hear manifestation or they think about that they think of the secret they think of this very oversimplified um, version of the of the law of attraction where it's just like you sit and you're like. I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. And then like money appears. Um, and <laughs> and uh, that's not how manifestation works. <laughs> um, sounds great. <laughs> it sounds awesome. But, um, it, you know, it sounds awesome, except for that we would mess everything up if that was actually how it worked, right? Because um, what I really teach people and, and when, I, when I work with clients, you know, we, we start with, like, forget about the relationship for a moment. Let's just talk about you. And let's just talk about what, or the person you want to meet for a moment. Let's set that aside. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about your values. Let's talk about your needs. Let's talk about your level of self-love, right? Um, and your level of belief that you can have the love that you want. And so we're starting there. It's not like um, when I when I work with clients, it's like, okay, so here's your, here's your homework, do a vision board and hear these affirmations and just say them every day. I'm not a believer in that. Not that I think there's anything wrong with vision boards or affirmations. I just believe very strongly and know from my own personal and professional experience. And I think we all know that it's not as simple as a vision board, right? And it's not as simple as saying affirmations, repeating affirmations. If everything inside of you is going, this is bullshit. And that's not true. <laughs> and, um, you know, if you're in a place where you, 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 you might be so fearful of not being able to have a healthy, like fulfilling relationship that you don't date at all. Right. And, and if you, if so, because the belief that you can have it is just so you just, you just don't believe that you can have it. So you're like, why bother try, right? Like that's kind of one um, far end of the scale where I, I've been there, by the way. So I, I relate to that personally because I remember what it's like to be there and not date at all. Um, and so for that person, you know, just telling them like, okay, you need to just start thinking positively about love. Like it, it's not, it's not addressing any of the challenges that's making that difficulty, um, that's, that's causing the difficulty in them believing it's possible for them right now. Right. So, so we really start with like, okay, who are you, you know, what do you care about? What is the relationship you want to have? Right. And then once we have that foundation, then we can get into, okay, well, let's talk about your patterns because I'm, I'm like super practical. I'm like, let's talk like, like, identify the pattern, understand that it's a pattern, understand the choices that you're making. Because if you are saying like, okay, I want to manifest a soulmate and I'm going to like read all the books and do all the journaling, but then you go out and you date and you're continually dating people who you could actually tell if you're being intentional and being honest with yourself, that this person is not capable of being the partner that you are looking for. 
right? But so many people are continually making choices in dating that are contrary to what they want to manifest. So you can't manifest love if you are still dating from a place of pick me, right? You can't manifest. Well, I shouldn't say you can't manifest. It's going to be very hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's going to be a lot harder for you to manifest from that place because it's, you're coming from a place of looking to the other person and to the relationship to make you worthy and make you complete. And you actually become the most powerful manifester when you truly believe in your worthiness, you know that you are worthy, and then it eliminates so much of the challenge and so much of the friction of dating that then you realize like, oh, actually the love that I wanted was available to me the whole time. I just couldn't see it. So it appears to manifest out of nowhere, but it's only as a result of having done the work to really expose the lies (laughs) that have prevented you from being able to really open your heart up to the right people um, up until now. What would you say that some of those most common lies that we are telling ourselves are? Because I think a lot of people listening, you know, might have a, they might be telling a lot of themselves that same story. I'm sure I have too. So what do you see that's really common? Um, I mean, I see, uh, well, what I see a lot is, um, I'm not, I'm not so much that the lies that they're telling themselves it's, well, I mean, well, the main lie that people are telling themselves, the most common thing I see is that, um, like this is impossible and it would like take a miracle for me to meet someone. (laughs) Right. Um, so the most kind of common lie is that whatever's happening in my love life is outside of me and I have no control over it. And I'm totally at the mercy of chance and the whims of the people that I'm dating which is a very common mindset when it comes to dating. Um, and so the, what that translates into, and uh, so that there are many patterns that I see over and over and over again. So like, you know, there's a pattern of not dating. There's a pattern of, of cause not dating is a pattern into itself. <laughs> cause people will say like, I don't have a pattern. I don't have a dating pattern. I don't date. I'm like, that's your pattern. Right, right. <laughs> Everyone has a pattern, right? Um, or you might be like a little bit past the not dating and, but you're just, you, you know, you might dip your toe in, get really frustrated, then you just jump out. So it's just this constant back and forth, right? This constant, just like, all right, here I go. Let me try to push myself. And then like, and then I like, oh, forget it. This is too hard and pulling back. Um, you know, dating people who you know in your heart and in your gut that they are not right for you, um, knowing that something seems off, knowing that um, you know maybe that you know they they might be saying things that they might be what you want to hear, but your the actions aren't aligning. But you're talking yourself out of paying attention to the actions because you're so focused on the words. You know, so there's there. Um, the, the beliefs and the lies manifest in very specific ways. You know, um, be, if you're a person who has a pattern of being love bombed, right? And so love bombing, that's when you meet someone. And this is this typically, again, not to be super heteronormative and not to exclude anyone, but this is sort of most commonly a, well, what, from what I see, a um, male, you know, a man-woman dynamic, right? In dating. And so, it'll be a situation where 
um, a guy, he just comes on so strong. You're the greatest thing since sliced bread. I can see myself with you forever. You know, he's talking about the future. He's constantly wants to see you, talk you, talk to you, text you. It's like just full court press from day one, right? And a lot of times that's so intoxicating because it feels so romantic. And it's like, oh my God, the fantasy, right? This is the fantasy. The fantasy is that you meet this perfect person and they are madly in love with you and you live happily ever after. So there are, um, there are men out there who intentionally capitalize on that and they do this on purpose um, as a way of manipulating you in the short term um, and they're not sticking around in the long term. And then there are people who do it and I truly believe that they don't mean to do it, but that's just their own issue and their own pattern and their own block. Um, but I they see wanna, so- They want to believe in the fantasy too. They, exactly. Maybe. They want to believe in the fantasy too. And they also, they want intimacy- right? They want love because everybody wants that, but they have a major block where they can, the, that intense short time span where you don't, it feels vulnerable, but it's not actually vulnerable because you're not actually getting to know the real person, right? Like, and you're going so fast that everything is just like, it, it's all projection. It's all fantasy. It's all just the momentum of like, of that encounter, you know what I mean? So um, they don't have to be really seen for who they really are, right? And so when it gets to the point where it's like, oh, wait, now it's time to actually start seeing each other, <laughs> like actually seeing who we really are, that's when they're out, you know? And so I, I see that, I see people who are, you know, on the receiving end of that. And for a lot, that's a very common pattern. And, but when we start to talk about it, like, and break it down, it's like, okay, let's talk about the, let's just talk about the whole relationship. How did it begin? What happened in the middle, right? What was your intuition telling you? How did you, you know, like, where, where were you like, hmm, is this a little too much too soon? Or, wow, I don't know. Like, maybe we should slow this down, right? Or maybe you actually, because this is very common too, you might actually have put a boundary in place or attempted to and said, like, Hey, this is so great. Like, let's, but let's slow things down. Let's, you know, I really want to get to know you. And, and usually that boundary is ignored. Right. And so, but people keep dating them. And so it's like, you have to start to look at like all of the information that is available to you in dating. If you actually just pay attention to how people are showing up and what they're showing they're capable of and their ability to, um, actually show you who they really are and not just like a very sort of, you know, their representative, right? As we say, like <laughs> it's their representative showing up to like pull you in. And then once you're sucked in, then, you know, he goes away forever. So I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> very no, long I think, answer. <laughs> I, I think it's fascinating though, because I mean, I feel like we have all been there as far as being excited about something, letting the letting the signs go. Um, I mean, in hindsight, when relationships end, obviously, we can see them so clearly. Um, and then what else you said about, you know, the representative, but also, you know, I've, I've had such a fun year of dating. But all, you know, most of it has been pretty surface level, because I haven't been in one spot very much. And like, it has been an amazing time. But there's really something to be said about exactly I haven't really been letting myself be known. And I do definitely want that. 
And there's something to be said for fun and dating, and that's great. But it's relationships, ones that are meant to grow and last, are not 100% fun. That's not the way it is. Right, <laughs> so, right. Like, that's not how life is. <laughs> right. Right? Like, life is not fun all the time. And um, and that's why it, it's, it is – I mean, I'm so – I, you know, I, I'm so passionate about talking about love and I'm, um, you know, on clubhouse all the time in rooms talking about this because it's like, once you start to shift people's perspective, then it's like, Oh, wait a second. This felt really hard and really mystifying before, but now I know I actually can trust my own intuition. (laughs) Right. Or I can actually like when something's going on in dating and I don't like it, I don't have to just go along with it or talk myself out of it or, you know, it's like, it it just, and then it becomes a lot more clear. I mean, the fear a lot of people have is like, well, if I start actually listening to my intuition and if I start, um, you know, putting boundaries in place and I start walking away when somebody shows me that they're not actually ready to be in a relationship and, you know, available and, and, you know, to be in the kind of relationship that I want, all of that, like, if I do that, then there'll be no one. Right. And so that is what we have to talk about, right? Like the belief that there'll be no one if I don't put up with all of these things that I don't want. And that's what I mean when I say the only way that you won't get the love that you want is if you settle for less. And it's if you settle for less by dating someone or, you know, dating people who are showing you that they are not capable of being the type of partner that you are seeking, right? Um, I mean, I have a really good friend right now. I mean, now they actually had, you know, she got the closure conversation that she wanted. So she's, she's now fully embraced the fact that she has to move on. Um, but you know, I have a friend who was dating this guy and they have an amazing connection and they love each other and they've been dating each other for over a year. Um, but he doesn't want to commit. And she, for a really long time was like, well, you know, we just have this amazing connection. So I just need to hang in there. And, and in the reason that it's hard to leave in those situations is because you feel like, well, there's not going to be anyone else, right? I have such an amazing connection with this person. And if I leave this person, then I'll have no one, I'll have nothing. And it's, it's really hard to believe this, but I promise, because I know there's a time if somebody told me this, I would not believe it. <laughs> I would not have believed it either. You know, I would have wanted to. I'd have been like, I'm not sure about this. But when you start to choose differently in dating, when you start to um, really take the high self-worth action, even if you're 100% feeling it, like even if it's really hard to walk away from somebody because, you know, they're sexy and like you don't want to be alone and you're fearful that like, you know, this is better than nothing. If you commit to taking that high self-worth action, you will actually start to be attracted to and attract a different kind of person. And I know that this seems like so like it doesn't work like how can that work? I tell you, I there was a time <laughs> when it was the unavailable parade and it was the drama <laughs> and it was the heartache and it was me getting my feelings hurt and me getting ghosted and me being like, you know, why does this keep happening to me? I did all that and I tried and I ran myself into the ground doing all that. And when I finally was like, okay, I got to do this differently. I need to start to look at what choices am I making? Because once you, once you realize you have a pattern, you also have to accept that you are the common denominator in that pattern. 
Right. It's it's you have to take accountability for how you're enabling this stuff too to heal. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get, so when I was like, okay, well, because I mean, to sum it up, I mean, I've had multiple patterns at different phases of my life, but to kind of sum it up, it was just very common, like just basically emotional unavailability, right? Just, just even if you, even if you connect, even if it's an amazing connection, it's just the relationship just implodes no matter what, right? And so that kept on happening to me. And so I finally was like, okay, there must be some part of me that is as unavailable as these men that I am attracted to and am attracting. So once I realize that I, and, and this is, this is like about that, you know, that accountability and that self-awareness and that self-reflection that you absolutely need <laughs> if you want to be able to manifest anything that is, that's challenging for you. And particularly I'd say love. Um, I realize, like, well, you know what, when I meet when I meet someone new and I can feel that he's into me, I actually pull back and I get a little aloof and I get a little bit like, I, I, I used to have this pattern where I would, when, you know, when I, not this happened with every guy that I met, but like when I met somebody who I really connected with, they would really be like, oh my God, you're so amazing. And they kind of put me up on a pedestal. And I realized I liked being on a pedestal. But the problem with being on a pedestal is that that's not a relationship <laughs> and you it's can't stay there. It's, yeah, you know, and you can't stay on a pedestal because you're human, right? And so eventually they're going to be, their infatuation would be like, they, it would wane and be like, they'd be like, and then they'd be out. And I'd be like, what happened? He liked me so much, <laughs> right? And now here I am in this situation again. So I was like, I don't really know why this is happening, but I do know that if I'm being honest with myself, I enjoy that feeling of somebody being really into me and being in me being a little aloof and like withholding. Okay. So when I recognized that I was like, okay, I'm going to have to start being more vulnerable from day one. I can't wait till I've been, you know, dating him for three months to maybe like, okay, now I'm ready to open my heart, (laughs) you know? Um, And so I, I just started to push myself to just show up with so much more vulnerability, like, from the beginning and be really honest about what I was looking for and, and, um, you know, to share things about myself that felt like, I mean, and and not every deep, dark secret, right. But it's just being, it's just giving, it's just not putting on that facade of like, I'm just so cool and I'm just so interesting. And, you know, um, isn't this so great? And we're having so much fun and you're just going to love me because I'm so fabulous. You know, like that was like, that was like a facade that I embodied for, for a while. Um, not always. Cause I, you know, that was, that was like kind of, I don't know, phase three of five phases of my dating <laughs> life. So, um, <laughs> so I, yeah, so I just encourage everyone to always just like, think about what are the dynamics that I am drawn to um, in dating, right? Is it like you like the chase or you like being chased or, you know, um, just start to pay attention to like what shows, what, what keeps coming up for you. And then once you start to change that behavior, I promise you like your dating life will transform. Yeah. And vulnerability is very scary for good reason. You know, we've all been heartbroken over people we've shared a lot of really important things with, but um, that's where the good stuff in life is. That's where exactly. that's all that's exactly where it is. And like, you got to exactly. get there to you got to get past that fear to enjoy the good stuff. So exactly. Yeah, you cannot have true intimacy without vulnerability. 
I was I was in your uh, clubhouse room in the last couple of weeks, Manifestation Mondays, where there are just so many people being so deeply vulnerable about their lives and their dreams and you know what they're manifesting. And it, they talked about so many different topics from health to love to home. You know, there's just like so much hope out there, and I, I found that room very inspiring and positive. Oh, awesome! Thank you, thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. yeah, I love that room. It is literally, it's like the highlight of my week. I'm so inspired by everyone. It's just such good vibes. I learn more. I feel like everything I say to other people is what I need to hear. <laughs> so yeah. I have like at least one breakthrough every Manifestation Monday. Do you want to talk a little more about what you do on Clubhouse just for people that are unfamiliar with it? Sure. If you're not on Clubhouse, what are you waiting for? (laughs) (laughs) I love Clubhouse. So Clubhouse, if you aren't on Clubhouse, you're not familiar with it. um, it It is a live social audio app. So it's like, think about, um, if you think about like an old school chat room, everything happens in rooms on Clubhouse. So you go and there's like rooms and there's all different topics and you can go and you can listen or you can speak or you can start your own rooms. And, um, there are so many amazing people on clubhouse. There's also, you know, a lot of people who (laughs) you probably don't want to talk to. Um, (laughs) just like chat rooms, (laughs) just like chat rooms and just like life, you know? Um, (laughs) so, um, but when I, when I first got on clubhouse in, you know, last September, September, 2020, I was like, this place is amazing. And I want to carve out my little corner of clubhouse, you know? Um, there's so many people talk about so, I mean, every topic you can imagine in the world and topics that you can't, like there are people on Clubhouse talking about them. And, um, but there was no one at that time talking about dating. People weren't talking about manifestation. People weren't talking about the things that I was excited to talk about. So I started my club, um, on Clubhouse, uh, called the True Love Society. And in that club, Um, Well, for the last year, I've been hosting three weekly rooms and the main room that is the one that I've never missed. um, We just had our 47th, the 48th, I think, week consecutive Manifestation Monday. Yeah. Um, So we're coming up on a one year anniversary and I've never missed a Monday. And, um, And that was the first regular room that I started hosting. And it was, and I, when I started doing it, I was like, I have no idea if people on this platform want to talk about this because at that time clubhouse was very small. There were like 12,000 users and it was a lot of, you know, venture capitalists and Ted speakers. And it was just like all of these like highfalutin people, which was really cool. (laughs) But I was like, I might get kicked off this app, but I want to talk about manifestation and I want to talk about dating. So that's just what I'm going to do. Um, And I just was very, very happy and, so just grateful to discover that, um, you know, the community of people who wanted to talk about those same things on Clubhouse just kept growing and growing and growing. So, um, yeah, so we have an incredible, you know, community, um, you know, my club, the True Love Society has, you know, tens of thousands of members. And um, yeah, it's just been a really reliable way to connect with people and connect more with ourselves and just get that inspiration and also that advice because manifestation, if it was super easy, <laughs> I mean, we're always manifesting everything, but to be intentional about it, if it was super easy to like, just totally shift your belief set and your thinking around, um, and your work and your feelings of your worthiness, like 
we would all have every single thing that we wanted, right? So um, we all need those check-ins and that's what Manifestation Monday has become. And then True Love Tuesday is the day that I talk about dating, so um, specifically. So every week it's a different topic. Yeah, that's amazing that you've been so committed. And I can only imagine like the so the many, many thousands of people that have been very supported by you um, throughout this past year, because even just my time in there, I can just tell that people feel like very positive and warm and supported in that room by you and others. So that's amazing. Um, I'm glad you. that you brought that into the world. And everyone listening should definitely check it out because it's a very nice space. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. And yeah, I think I want to ask you, since you've supported so many people, what is some sort of art that has supported you through a hard time? So either a book or a TV show, whatever you would like to would like to say. Um, goodness, so much, so much, so much. Um, well, I mean, there's going to be a big recency bias here because, you know, I don't know. It's I, First of all, the last year has been hard <laughs> just on everyone. Um, and also my memory is terrible. Same. <laughs> <laughs> my recall for like names of things. I'm like, oh my God, there's that movie. I love it so much. And I, but I can't remember the name of it. I'm like, so I'm so, I'm so that person. Um, I, I mean, I, I definitely have a number of books that have been, incredibly, incredibly helpful to me, um, in my life. And that I, I've pretty much revisited all of them, um, in the past year and, and some of them multiple times. Like I'm now that person who will just like read a book and then like finish it and then just start it over again because <laughs> I'm like ready to ready for more. Um, so, um, some of the books that have been, and, and this is more in the personal development. This is not, you know, this is more in the personal development realm, um, but um, A Return to Love um, is a book that has just been like a very important book in my life. And um, it's a book that I like to revisit and it just keeps, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Um, the Alchemist is another book that I feel is really the book, like a gift that keeps on giving. And it's just such a like short, easy, but like really powerful read. Um and just very inspiring. Um, I, there's also, I've discovered this incredible book, which I'm like, this book is on track to be one of my favorite books of all time. Um, it's called a swim in the, a swim in a pond in the rain. Um, and it's a book about writing, um, and storytelling and it's, but also about life. (laughs) And, um, it's written by, um, well, the, the author's name is George, George Saunders, and he's a, he's a English professor. Um, and he basically has these seven Russian short stories that he always teaches in his like MFA, you know, when some of his MFA class, or whatever. And he breaks down these stories and invites you to start to look at the stories and which makes you when you look at these stories in this way, it makes you look at every story um, in ways that are so insightful and subtle and genius and exciting. And um, I've just been getting so much inspiration from that book. And it's just, yeah, so I highly recommend it. 
Yeah. Those were kind of weird answers. I could go on, but I'll stop. <laughs> no, I, I've never read any of those. Um, and they all sound wonderful. And also, I so I like to reread certain books too. And I think that people with bad memories, it's just a good tactic because yeah. we don't remember the first time around. We don't remember. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we go back and it's like, like Daring Greatly, that's another book that I, I make myself read that book every like 18 months because it's so good. And mm-hmm. I forget. And then I'll read it. I'll be like, oh, my God, that's right. I love this yeah. book. <laughs> it's like, I, oh, yeah, this wisdom is in here that I completely forgot the first time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll add those to my list for sure. And then I also wanted to ask you, what is a joy bomb in your life? So what's a self-care habit that is really important to you? Gosh, I actually have a lot of self-care habits. That's great. <laughs> I'm pretty I'm pretty um I'm I'm pretty good about my self-care, but I actually do have a new hobby that is bringing me so much joy and that is ceramics. Um I am actually enrolled in a college course like uh, ceramics introduction to ceramics <laughs> and um I have just I I've just really taken to it. Like I have just been making like clay pots in my house, just <laughs> sitting around. I was on a call earlier today. I made a pot. Like I just like, That's I'm incredible. really into it. It's um, the, it's, I feel, I mean, this is going to sound very woo woo, but I feel like it's such a conversation with the clay and I like to even like close my eyes and just, and just make something and just feel the texture of the clay. And it's just, I I can't even tell you how much satisfaction and joy it's bringing me. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I, it's amazing to like work with your hands and have that connection to something tangible that you can feel. Yes, yes. Um, and also, you know, what a great thing to be able to do on a call or like <laughs> while you're watching TV instead of being on your phone, you know, yes, like, totally. that's great. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I'm into it. (laughs) Well, thank you so, so much for being here today. Um, I learned so much about love and manifesting. And it's such a good reminder of like how important self worth is um, in all of our lives. And so thank you so much. And um, I would love it if you could tell everybody where to find you so that they can all find out more about all this. Oh, thank you. Um, well, first of all, I'm Dear Franny on all the socials, um, primarily on Instagram and Twitter, and of course, Clubhouse. <laughs> um, and also, I have a podcast called Dear Franny, so that's also easy to find. Um, and if people want to learn more, and you know, I've got lots of different resources, um, you can visit spreadtruelove.com. So if you go to spreadtruelove.com, you can take my dating archetype quiz. I have a free audio course about online dating. You can book a session. There's lots of stuff there. Awesome. Such a wealth of love knowledge um, (laughs) that I'm going to go check out more of. And um, thank you everyone for listening to Cruel Summer Book Club. If you like this podcast, please take the time to subscribe and give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts really helps me reach more listeners. And you can find more of my work at cruelsummerbookclub.substack.com and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jilla Thrilla. See you next week and take care of your heart. <laughs>